needed to go and show our love that you know R and D is so cool. You should be doing more R and D. Just give us some money, etc., etc. But now, really, the you know, the, I think maybe it is the time as such. The stepmotherly attitude is turning into a motherly attitude. Government is realizing that you know uh, we should do more uh, in order for society to develop and for us to really reap dividends of this uh, you know this uh, demographic that we have up and coming. Uh, we really need to pump in the funds, okay? And we need to put right people in charge of these developments, right? So the people who are coming at the top, the air vice marshals, the R and D chiefs who are coming in, they are well qualified to understand levels of technology in the country. capabilities and what should be done hi wherever you're listening to this i hope you're doing well welcome to tech conversations where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors i'm hari arakli and today we bring you another conversation in our series on deep tech in india in this episode arindrajit choudhury and tosif sheik co-founders of inspecity space laboratories talk about how they dream of cities in space Their contribution is their 2-year-old venture which is preparing to soon launch a small CubeSat propulsion system the size of a small tiffin box. It will take them one small step forward in developing an ecosystem of in-space life extension of satellites involving repairs, navigations and eventually controlled deorbiting maneuvers. Morning Dr. Tosif, Dr. Arun, uh, thank you so much for making time for this conversation start bang in the beginning of your work day i really appreciate your time uh, a lot is happening in india both on the space tech front for sure and and the sort of wider umbrella uh, area of deep tech and uh, really looking forward to this uh, conversation maybe you all could uh, begin by giving us a brief background about yourselves as well as tell us a bit about what inspecity is about and we'll go from there Thank you very much, Hari, for uh, having us. Um, so, uh, top of the morning, uh, in some way, right? So, uh, I am Arin. Um, so, very quick background: I did my B.Tech from IIT Kharagpur, uh, long back. Then I did my Ph.D. at Penn State, uh, and I came back and I joined IIT Bombay. I have been at IIT Bombay ever since. Um, earlier uh, i was part of another startup called uh, manastu and now uh, me and tasif are uh, now part of uh, inspecity so um, uh, let tasif introduce then i'll give you the breakdown of what we are and what we want to do yeah. i am tasif and i did my b from mumbai university mechanical engineering and then i did my masters and phd in it bombay under uh, professor arik and uh, in my phd i worked on propulsion systems i created a lab scale propulsion system and uh, did various testing on it and after that uh, i was doing a lot of consultancy projects with uh, professor arin and uh, after that i was part of a engineering college uh, in mumbai uh, i served there as a dean rnd and after that uh, in 2022 we joined uh, you know we started this company now uh, with professor arin Right. So, in space city, um, as the name says, in space city. So, the goal is very simple, uh, very unadulterated. Uh, you know, just build a city in space. Right. That's it. Okay. So, um, uh, I I understand how how crazy this is in some way, 
and uh, i also understand that uh, you know humans have always been uh, you know uh, in science fiction we are always looking at uh, satellites uh, uh, in a way landing or or crafts landing um on uh, fixed planets or on moons of planets uh, in different solar system or different uh, you know stellar systems uh, it has always been like this but there has also been this idea around uh, from around 1970s uh that uh, and is actually endorsed by Isaac Asimov uh that you know we could actually float between uh a space between uh a planet and its moon a planet and its star and we could easily kind of uh, create and create a very good civilization there too right uh so therein lay the thought that you know uh, me and Tosif have worked with bits and pieces of technology uh we have also seen the the space tech uh scene come up uh with uh, you know musk really igniting everything up and uh, uh having seen of course you have talked to possibly shrinath and moin uh, they have ignited the scene out of uh, out of uh, you know chennai and uh, really taken up the scene uh, in india we have talked to them also at length uh, and after talking to everybody and after having watched this space for a long time we realize that uh, you know uh, of course there are there are needs of developing uh, hordes of satellites or constellations of satellites and there are needs of uh, developing pieces of technology that make everything work in space but there should be in my view um, and in tosif's view a higher goal right so we should be looking at perpetuation of uh, humanity in a in a better way right and uh, going to another another planet and settling down there going to the moon and settling down there as uh, easy as it sounds uh, because you're always governed by the initial conditions if you talk to any any scientist or an engineer it's a set of equations where you have some initial conditions or you have some boundary conditions so wherever you go there the boundary conditions and initial conditions are not in your control right you have a set of equations to solve you want to create another you know civilization there but the conditions are not favorable to you right nobody will give you another earth we are very hard you know trying very hard to search for earth 2.0 but there is no earth 2.0 in a in a vicinity and it will take possibly a, a couple of centuries before we can create something that is akin to interstellar travel and get there so the simplest idea is that how do we take a, a lower class indian today who is thinking that you know india's uh, demographic uh, dividends are very high and they should be seeing this dividend come alive right in 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 a in their lifetime in about 5 years 10 years how do we now take them to that upper class or upper middle class and the the way that we thought uh, and thought and thought about this is that uh, there is no easy way to do this out of earth because resources are always always going to be limited you look at any big city in india you look at an, at any city outside india in southeast asia or outside people are always too many right so you're always fighting for limited resources with a with a larger and increasing number of population right so you need to come to a situation where resources are not a limit so that is the genesis of inspecity in some way right to to stop and i'm sure you have you know questions that are boiling up now right so i i step back and say that that is what we want to do we want to now sustain humanity in space that's it okay uh can you just briefly say when did you formally kind of start the company incorporated right in july august uh, end of july last year 2020 2022 okay and uh, initially uh, in terms of a product technology uh, what are you trying to develop and can you talk about uh, so far where are you at as well yeah 
So you can imagine that if you're trying to create any kind of large scale infrastructure in space, you would definitely need autonomous uh, robotic capabilities, right? You need to have, uh, so this is what we understood, that you need to have very good sensing capabilities, you need to see like a human, and you need to give capabilities like humans. And we cannot put up humans up there, right? That's a, that's a fact. So if we are kind to, trying to kind of walk backwards from there, we imagine that we need these capabilities. And then we tried to find out, we sat down with Vishesh and our team of investors, and we figured that there needs to be, uh, like you rightly said, you know, some immediate revenue streams coming through. And from that perspective, there is a very good necessity of servicing satellites in space or extending the lives of satellites in space. Servicing not in a traditional sense, as you would service your car, at a, at a garage, or you would service an aeroplane, not like that. But there are ways of extending the lives of satellites that we will talk about. That is the initial part that we want to go to. So we would create um, an ecosystem or an infrastructure where you can extend the lives of satellites by these um, autonomous robotic capabilities. That is, that is the initial technology that we are trying to kind of figure out. Just to add to what uh, uh, Professor Arin said, that uh, in order to build uh, cities or anything up there, you need to, uh, like Professor said, that we need a better sensing system that will, uh, you know, give you inputs as if you are looking at that particular, you know, thing. Like, uh, let's say if you want to grab something, if you want to, you know, bend something. So you need to have accurate, let's say, sense out of that in terms of 3D mapping because everything will be uh, doing on its own uh, based on, you will have a, a very good processor and it is, uh, you know, taking that data uh, in terms of vision, in terms of uh, there is some basic sensors which will give you the exact distance and position of the object. Then your robotic arm needs to have, you know, that much capability so it can go directly and grab it. And uh, the way you want to orient it or let's say do welding or to attach or to detach, something like that. So, and in order to move in space, in addition to uh, the uh, this uh, robotic technology and sensor suit, you need to have a uh, let's say propulsion system to move you around in space. Because on ground we can just you know walk, so our normal reaction is taken by the ground, right? But in space, you imagine you must have seen several space movies where astronauts or some other objects they are just you know uh, flying around space, but they are not able to move forward or backward. So in order to have that motion, you need to have a pretty good propulsion system that is reliable. So these are the main three key technologies that we are going to develop in our uh, first stage, which is propulsion, robotic arm, and a sensor suit that is giving you a very good vision. Okay. Um, over the last, uh, say, one year, uh, since you've started, uh, can you give me a sense of any important uh, product development milestones, uh, any business partnerships, those kinds of things? Yeah, okay. So, uh, as I said, these are the three key technologies we have started working on. So among these three, uh, uh, you know, fortunately, our Indian government has also put up uh, several challenges uh, that uh, Indian government wants to develop these technologies in-house. So uh, uh, fortunately, uh, most of the challenges uh, what government has you know, given, they, those are related to space. And fortunately for us, whatever technologies we want to build, government already wants that. You know, uh, these kind of technologies built. So uh, slowly they are uh, giving out these challenges to smaller companies, bigger companies. So we have started with the propulsion uh, uh, this, uh, challenge 
and uh, we have got that proposition challenge also we were winner in the last you know edx uh, 250th conference that uh, did and we were the first company the newest company to win the challenge and newest company to you know first sign the contract and uh, probably the first one to complete the milestone in this batch so we have completed the milestone we have successfully demonstrated the propulsion technology also and uh, by uh, you know by next year we'll be flying our technology in, into the space uh, to prove it uh, there then about the robotic arm uh, robotic technology and the sensor suit our team is working on that and uh, we are up to a design phase and now we are uh, making a prototype of that and in, by end of next year we are planning to fly those as well i want to circle back to uh, what you started out with saying that extending the lives of satellites uh, is an important uh, factor in the space economy uh, can you give us a sense of uh, you know the significance of this what's the big picture here so in a in a way uh, when you put up a satellite up there or you put up a constellation of satellites we are specifically talking about people who are dealing with constellations of satellites when you put up a constellation uh, you imagine that the lifetime is going to be of the order of maybe 2 to 4 years right in low earth orbit and we are specifically again talking about low earth orbit but there are systemic issues in the design these are electromechanical systems you can only go so far and at lower orbit you are trying to make the satellites um, kind of less redundant in nature you're not putting as many redundancies as you would put in a geostationary satellite right uh, you would possibly have much lesser redundancy which leads to a possibility of failures okay and it's a it's a probability right and uh, satellites do fail like this uh if you look at uh you know constellations that are operating today uh large and small there is always uh, a percentage of satellites that keep on failing annually that is where we come in and we say that look the failure is such that even if one of the key subsystems fail the entire satellite is out of commission right everything is so interdependent that you cannot survive let's say you are a human body you cannot survive if uh in a way your heart is affected right because it is very critical if your liver is affected so in a way any of the key subsystems there are five key subsystems in a satellite any of them fail it is going to take down the entire satellite with it right so we come to a company and we say that look your payload is good right your payload is fine it is it is the brain so to say your body is kind of deteriorating can we just figure out a way to give you a wheelchair right so you can sustain this over a period of time you are still able to function you are still able to do all the thoughts that you were supposed to do you are still able to generate the revenue that you are supposed to uh, generate using your payload um and you extend it by anywhere depending upon what kind of uh, funds you are willing to put behind it anywhere between 6 months to a couple of years and then you can plan your your fundraise accordingly because you know part of your uh, you know satellite constellation goes out you need to raise funds again and go up there and put up the new satellites although it looks quote unquote you know relatively cheap but the numbers always add up right and it's of the order of millions in the orders hundreds of millions or billions of dollars for larger constellations so that is where we come in and we attach a small satellite at the back of the bigger satellite right so you have already a satellite that is carrying the payload we attach a smaller satellite to the back of it and that is how we extend we take over the housekeeping activities these five subsystems are taken over to some degree and we now you know just uh, allow the payload to function and transmit the data that the payload is generating down there to earth 
that is how we plan to extend the lives of satellites or service satellites okay uh, can you walk me through what kind of uh, ground based uh, tests and simulations you have uh, you know successfully done so far so as uh, you know professor said about this uh, uh, in space servicing or life extension so again the key technologies that we were talking about the propulsion sensing suit and the robotic arm these are the main technologies that would help help us uh, do this so in order to reach there uh, uh, to the target satellite let's say where we want to extend the life you need to have a propulsion system and a navigation uh, let's say better navigation in order to you know because there are so many orbits and you need to be uh, you know exactly uh, at that satellite at a particular time because it is also moving with around 7 5 to 7 km per second at that speed so you need to catch up with that then you need to safely dock with the satellite and attach your you know extension pod so these are the initial te- key technologies that we are working on and as i said earlier so our uh, uh, the sensor suit we have demonstrated uh, on a ground based a preliminary version of that sensor suit which can you know fuse the data from multiple sensors and give you a the better understanding of what you are looking at then uh, on the design phase we have done the robotic arms design which is a space grade design and we are uh, making our prototype on that so uh, along with that in order to do uh, demonstrate this you know uh, attaching uh, the uh, life extension pod to the satellite we are making a, a, a you know, test bench where uh, these um, dummy satellites let's say they will be floating around uh, in uh, let's say like in zero gravity you don't have any friction so that kind of platform will be there so it will float in a zero uh, you know uh, frictionless platform and on that we, we are you know trying to simulate the you know, space environment where no friction will be there now we are for satellite along with the vision system it will look at the uh, you know target satellite it will identify a path to go near it then it will dock and it will attach the extension uh, life extension pod to the target satellite so this is the demonstration we are planning so as soon as we complete our these you know two uh, critical technologies the sensing uh, sensor suit and the robotic arm that is the next step where we are, uh, we are you know going to develop uh, this uh, uh, air bearing platform we are already you know uh, 50% there i guess by end of next month we'll be having that platform ready and we'll be starting with these experiments where we demonstrate uh, this you know satellite docking and uh, adding the life extension pod to the satellite maybe the way i'm describing it is oversimplified but uh, what you will do is uh, you will partner your customers figure out which of their satellites need help and then you will launch your payload on another rocket and then catch up with those satellites and try to you know do whatever repairs necessary and on the just hurry on the propulsion system side uh, so tasif uh, has a very strong team uh in this area small but very strong so they have already demonstrated that our propulsion technology works uh we just had a visit from uh the defense team to look at you know how we are progressing and like he rightly said we crossed the milestone one uh again fingers crossed uh we imagine that we should be able to prove this technology very fast okay uh so potentially who might be your uh, big customers anybody who's operating a constellation of low earth orbit satellites would be a customer exactly exactly that is how we are you know planning to do this uh we would create an ecosystem for them like you would have a, an ecosystem for servicing uh, cars or doing mros for aeroplanes 
uh, something like this, right? So you would you would have an ecosystem up there that uh, has vehicles. So our names are also uh, you know very interesting. The the vehicle that has the robotic arms is called Veda. Uh, we imagine so this is now vehicle for life extension and deorbiting activities. That is why we have named it. We figured that the same way that ancient civilizations have kind of uh, upheld uh, humanity as a whole uh, so far, I imagine that the next generation of uh, technology that we are building is going to enable humanity to reach you know, far greater heights in space. So Veda is the one. And then there is the, the first vehicle that attaches itself to um, this uh, satellite is called RIG. So it becomes RIG Veda as an ecosystem. So RIG is robotically inserted guidance system in some way. Right, so um, these are the two, and then there are tankers planned. I'm going to reveal the name a little bit later. Right, uh, the, the tankers that would, or the uh, refueling depots that would allow Vedas to refuel and make this sustainable in space. So you don't need to send up. The the common thought becomes, why doesn't a constellation send up just new satellites? Right, uh, immediately when things are going bad. Other than the cost of it, the sustainability of it also comes into picture. Right, you are. Uh, launching rockets every now and then in order to plug in holes in your constellation, right? So if you could have a way to repair and make it sustainable, it's always, always uh, the ethos matches with whatever Indians stand for in terms of reusability, sustainability, so on and so forth. And we would want to teach the world the same thing. And and today, sort of what is like the state of the art in this uh, area? I mean, I know the well-known big players like NASA and European Space Agency, ISRO, uh, what have they attempted so far? So, so far, NASA uh, is going to plan a mission. Uh, it is called OSAM. Okay. This mission will be, uh, I think, active in the coming years now. I don't know. I don't remember the exact uh, year that they will put this up at. Uh, so they are going to do this on their own, but they have also uh, asked several companies. So they have a very strong ecosystem out there in US. They have asked several companies to start working on this kind of a servicing technology by themselves. Okay, European Space Agency is looking again at member states and companies there out of Europe, and they have subcontracted. They are focusing primarily on debris removal. So you can imagine, Hari, the other part of this sustainability that we do not touch upon. And if you talk to Digantara, they would be talking about it more is space sustainability, right? Where you're talking about uh, directly removing pieces of debris or tracking pieces of debris, something along those lines, right? So European Space Agency or JAXA are more focused uh, upon these two. Uh, this aspect of it, the debris removal. So they have given out contracts to a couple of companies to start removing pieces of, uh, I think, uh, the Ariane group of rockets earlier, right? So one of the upper stages of that they want to remove. If I'm misquoted on that, please, please forgive me. I don't remember exactly what they're removing. Similarly, JAXA has also given out a contract to remove uh, the last stage of an H2 rocket, as far as I remember. Okay, um, so this is this is kind of the, the part that is in the works. ISRO has been planning a space docking experiment called SpadeX that should also be up and running uh, sometime in the near future. They were focusing on Chandrayaan and Aditya so far, uh, and they have uh, several other activities that are being planned. I'm, I'm very sure that ISRO would also be in the, uh, you know, demonstrating in this area very soon. So this is kind of the global scenario. So it is not a very large number of companies that are focusing on this, but still a sizable number uh, that are focusing on, uh, let's say, satellite servicing or debris removal as a core service. Okay. Uh, as part of your business operations, I'm sure you have looked at some projections 
in terms of the opportunity and so on can you give me a sense of realistically what kind of uh, good credible projections are available um so the the uh, numbers that are declared are of the order of i think 14 billion dollars by about 2030 in uh, this entire market of servicing as a whole uh, space situational awareness uh, servicing everything together uh if you talk about propulsion it's of of the order of there are there are very varied numbers and in space propulsion according to our inner projections is of the order of 6 to 8 billion dollars is what i would say there are there are uh, reports that claim much higher numbers but we have looked at it carefully uh, we don't think it will be more than 6 to 8 billion dollars of that order okay so these are the key areas debris removal is uh, not a very well projected market depends upon i told you only jaxa and isa have given out contracts i am not really sure whether isro is going to give out contracts okay but um, we will we will kind of explore this space and to be honest hari uh, it is similar to the fact that us trying to project what would be the market for mobiles around 2000 and uh, 2002 or 2003 right because this is this is a key to a new door once you open this door what will come and what can we do what space tourism manufacturing uh, you know we were talking to a biology company out of taiwan and it is just crazy we could shift entire worlds of meat production in space in some way or food production to space in way, in a way right so uh, polluting industries anything you take earth can go back to you know the the cretaceous period or you know something far back where it is far more pristine in some way right everything polluting we can just you know just lift off so it is just just at this moment i just want to open up your mind and say don't worry about smaller numbers i tell the investors the same that don't worry about smaller numbers if we are successful in doing this you imagine that your your let's say liver is failing we can so just now a company called redwire has shown that they can 3d print uh, biological parts in space right and on gravity under gravity the tissue kind of collapses upon itself as you are building it up because you are 3d printing and you are printing it up in layers the upper layers tend to collapse on this it's the same thing when you are doing metallic 3d printing also in some way so tosif's team needs to figure out how to do this part agnikul needs to figure out how to do this part but we have figured it out in on earth it is that much more complicated and chances of uh, you know this contamination because you know you have so much contamination just around you is so high in space it's just vacuum right if we could create this out there uh, you can just you know punch in an order for a new lung or a new uh, you know liver or a kidney and it will just come through that's it in a small package it will land on your uh, the way that we can customize is tosif can customize this it will land on top of your roof in a small parachute just yesterday nasa has retrieved a, a piece of an asteroid right with with a very high accuracy you you know this right similarly i mean your your kidney lands on top of your hospital's roof on an xmark spot so just all i'm saying is it's just crazy uh, if we can do this right and then there is everything opens up at that time so at a, at a bigger level i'm thinking of building a new ayodhya and uh, pitch it to the government at this moment to see if they would be open to kind of creating this okay fair enough um, no one can accuse you of not having a really <laughs> big vision um, in terms of uh, uh, the integrities of your path to commercializing your first product or technologies uh, can you walk me through you know tentatively what's kind of the timetable you all are looking at business i handle technology he handles right very clear we are also considering we have some very very good people in the team we are you know looking at them also very carefully uh, i did not bring them on this meeting immediately 
land. But that aside, so um, we are looking at, uh, let's say, by 2024 mint, uh, we would have cleared out the propulsion technology, especially the CubeSat propulsion technology. We are already in talks with several customers, uh, both Indian as well as international. Uh, let us, again, fingers crossed, let us hope that uh, these talks follow through and we'll be able to then commercialize these. Okay. Uh, the aspect of servicing another satellite, uh, we expect significant uh, inputs from the government in terms of funding, uh, both in terms of uh, IDEX projects, which give 50% government funding, but have an upper cap on the amount of funds that you can draw from them. That is capped at 10 crores. Uh, but on the other side, you have make one as a category, which government is now very carefully looking at in terms of opening it up for startups who are capable. Okay, it was so far for, uh, you know, established companies. So we are looking at a couple of very uh, uh, in line make one projects that are along the line of technology development that we have. So we expect 70% of the funds to come from them. And we are also tying up, we are not, we are not stupid uh, in a way. We are, we know that how hard this is, right? So technologically, we are looking at partners, we're evaluating partners. We have already uh, tied down or narrowed on, uh, you know, the partners that we will be tying up with. We'll be making these announcements uh, very soon in the upcoming months. We have started working with them. We are very, very happy, right? That they have taken up quite a bit of, uh, you know, challenge in building the, the platform as a whole. Well, while we look at some of the key technologies that we are developing. Okay. Uh, since you mentioned funding, can you give a quick update on where you are at today? You must have raised some seed funding. And since uh, I think you mentioned Speciale earlier. Yes. So we have been very, very lucky to have Vishesh along with us, Vishesh and Arjun along with us from the very beginning. We had interacted with them quite a while back when Vishesh was getting into the field. And I remember having a very nice dinner with Vishesh in uh, Pawai, in uh, close to IIT Bombay. And we talked a lot. So we I feel I liked him a lot. I don't know uh, the other side that much. But when we reconnected, uh, you know, he was very happy to hear that we were doing this. He talked to me and Tasif quite at length and he came in very early. Then uh, we were able to get another five uh, institutional investors and we raised one and a half million dollars in pre-seed investment. There was more interest, but uh, we were thinking that this itself, we were very happy that we could get this kind of funds. On, on building a city, you can imagine, right? I mean, I imagine if they are crazy enough to support us, uh, we should show them how frugal we are and really walk the talk on sustainability, right, of, of funds. So we've done a very frugal shop and uh, we have gone up to that far. We have raised another one and a half crores, about $200,000 uh, from the government side uh, to, uh, to get this project. And we are strongly looking at them to you know, uh, to show them, to uh, show everybody that technologically we are very sound and get further funds from them also. And we are getting ready to now uh, kind of go to the seed round and uh, raise the next round after. I think IDEX is a really interesting example of uh, how the government is changing its outlook on supporting deep tech startups, right? Can you both think a lot about uh, what you see happening in terms of how the ecosystem is changing in India in supporting deep tech? Yeah, right. All right. So um, in in some way, um, so we have been, so uh, me and I think more so than me, Satya has been in the ecosystem uh, for a very long time. So uh, his perspective would also be very, very interesting. I, I don't know his perspective exactly. So I'm going to, you know, go out on a limb and kind of put forward what I think in some way. Uh, government has been looking at technology development with a stepmotherly attitude so far. Okay, so stepmotherly means 
yeah, I, you know, I bought this son or daughter from the other marriage and I need to take care of them. And, you know, I'll put some money behind them. But the heart is not there, right, in, in some way. Uh, that was that was my feeling so far. So we need to needed to go and show our love that you know R and D is so cool. You should be doing more R and D. Just give us some money, etc., etc. And they have they have relented across the years. They have allowed us to go on some field trips. They have bought us some you know used books or some new books sometimes. And they have been very you know nice in some way. Uh, but now really the you know the I think maybe it is the time as such. The stepmotherly attitude is turning into a motherly attitude, right? Government is realizing that, you know, uh, we should do more uh, in order for society to develop and for us to really reap dividends of this, uh, you know, this uh, demographic that we have up and coming. Uh, we really need to pump in the funds. It, we may not go up to, let's say, 5 6% or 10% of our GDP, but we need to make it sizable, quote unquote, again. Okay. And we need to put right people in charge of these developments with the right mentality, not the Babu mentality or not the mentality where, ah, yaar, what will you do with this money? Give me this accounting exactly. Uh, did you buy this? And was this cost exactly there? The people who are now coming in, those people are still there in, in charge of accounts. But the people who are coming at the top of this, uh, let's say the IDEX area, the air vice marshals who are coming, uh, I don't want to name anything, anybody immediately. But if you, these are open information, you can go look them up, right? So the people who are coming at the top, the air vice marshals, the R&D chiefs who are coming in, um, they are well qualified to understand levels of technology in the country, capabilities, and what should be done, right? So these 75 challenges in space that came out, the team of people that did this had a very global exposure and had a very forward thinking attitude. So I really, really respect this. This would not have been there. It would be a cut paste of, uh, you know, whatever US has done maybe uh, five years back in some way. And somebody would be lazy enough to just pass it along. Not to throw any shade on what has happened so far. And I just feel that is more like a stepmotherly attitude. Now it is more like a motherly attitude. Everybody is interested. Uh, you know, there are war games happening in some way. We are kind of uh, talking more uh, on the on the commercial side. Uh, government is incentivizing uh, this kind of manufacturing, R&D, development, so on and so forth. So it is it is a very, very thrilling time to be in, is all I can say. I, I, I hope we can show that, you know, we are the right kids, not just us. The, the ecosystem are the right kids and uh, the stepmotherly attitude that has resolved into a motherly attitude now becomes uh, one of a full-blown love fest in some way. And we, we all enjoy this bon homie. And the catalysis is from the VCs, of course. They go and, you know, uh, they just, they're the rich uncles. And once, you know, two uh, families in love, everything is prospering. You, you bring in the money from inside, from outside. And just just one big happy family in some way. And we turn out to be uh, the India that we aspire to be. Dr. Sos, if you want to add your views to this. Exactly. I guess uh, Professor has covered everything that uh, has to be there. So I, I'm really happy that government is, you know, uh, taking this uh, initiatives and not, uh, you know, the typical government view a common Indian has. Like, you know, the, normally the government uh, people be here. But this is like, you know, amazing. And uh, I really hope that, you know, every Indian has this, you know, pride that we are Indian and India should be at the top. So I really, you know, uh, not just hope, I, I I want to say that I know that if we continue on this kind of you know, journey, not just as uh, similar companies, startups, MSMEs, like, you know, uh, and government is helping in, in this way, we'll definitely be at the top.
Okay, let's uh, bring it back to Inspecity uh, more specifically. Can you uh, tell me briefly about your team? Uh, and also, I also want to know a bit more about, uh, you know, um, what might be your big challenges from this point forward? I'll take this. Please, sir, please. There is a a very dissimilar equation, Hari, uh, because Tasif is also my student. If I am not there, he will speak. But if I am there, he will pass on the mic. Uh, It's so so tough. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, yeah. But let me do this. Yeah. So, uh, in the team, we have, of course, me and Tasif. Tasif is a very... Uh, let me uh, cover your eyes, uh, ears, Tasif. <laughs> natural engineer, right? So he has played in a, uh, with his father in a car repair shop all his life, car and engine repair shop, uh, you know, generators, etc., etc. So he has a very uh, natural uh, tendency to understand engineering at a, at a fundamental level without, you know, running through a lot of numbers, which is which I have done in my life, right? Uh, but uh, we we kind of complement each other in some way regarding that. Uh, on the team, we also have, so we try to create the upper echelons quite well. We have Anant, uh, who has been from originally from Team Indus, um, and uh, he has seen the dreams crash, but his designs were really good among the top three vetted by NASA. Um, and then he went through several areas. He has been through, I think, Airbus, through Bellatrix, through Orbex, uh, and uh, when he was planning to come back to India, I, I just we were just we always were talking, uh, and he was helping us out. When we when we talked, he immediately came back, and we are we are very lucky to have him on board. Uh, we also have a guy called uh, Sanket who is consulting for us at the moment and um, uh, is very good with fundamentals in terms of uh, guidance, uh, which is very much required. So uh, we also were very lucky to have a guy called Kuntal recently uh, who came from IIT Bombay and IISC regarding sensing. And one more of uh, Tosif's colleagues, uh, one of my PhD students, Prathamesh, is there on the team. So this kind of forms the upper uh, echelon of uh, InSpecity, okay? That's a think tank, so to say. And then we have another layer of people comprised of uh, kids from IITs uh, and from local colleges and from colleges from Bangalore, uh, from here and there. Uh, who formed the second tier and we have a we we are not very big on interns at the moment we are not really sure what to do with interns uh, clearly but we will have a layer of interns after that right so that is kind of the team architecture uh, each subsystem has a dedicated team we don't have a very large team we feel that quality is more important in this area everybody works extremely hard uh, from we are very inspired by spacex agnikul uh, these kind of companies uh, definitely we went and visited also spacex we have not visited but agnikul we visited and very very impressed with the work ethics of people there so people work in a similar way uh, we have a bunch of advisors uh, we have uh, Nageshwar Rao out of ISRO, uh, who is uh, a kind of a director level person uh, out of URO Satellite Center. We have Devashish out of uh, Devashish Chakravarti out of DRDO, uh, retired again and in Mahindra University at this time. We uh, have tied up with IIT Bombay for several of these uh, works. We have tied up with uh, professors there to make sure that what we are developing is, uh, you know, uh, qualified by them in some way. And we co-develop some of these along with them. And Defense is anyways the partner in terms of, uh, you know, giving funding. Uh, we have not reached out very strongly to ISRO yet regarding technology. We do plan to. Uh, but. Uh, from my side, I was feeling uh, that, you know, I, I don't want to go with a begging bowl to them and say that, you know, give me your technology or teach me something like this. Uh, we wanted to kind of understand it internally, do our own homework and then go and talk to them. 
So I know there are very good people out of Israel when we start talking to them. We have talked to, uh, we have taken on board Nageshwar Rao sir anyway. But other than that, we have also talked to several uh, Israel stalwarts from older times. Uh, and recently, uh, we got Professor Milind Atre, uh, who is our, uh, just ex-dean IIT, ex-dean R&D at IIT Bombay and very well connected into the ecosystem. Very good, uh, you know, uh, both cryogenics as well as vacuum uh, kind of person. Very good uh, technology uh, technologist right on the team. And we feel that we should be able to kind of understand or what do you say, understand the technology at a fundamental level as well as uh, qualify them at different levels. Okay. That is the confidence that I have. Yes. I mean, briefly overall, I mean, some folks might be interested in some of these numbers. You have a team of about 15, 20 people? Uh, we, we have around 25 at this moment overall, uh, gathering everybody. Uh, we have Arun, who is, uh, you know, handling business. Arun Radhakrishnan, he's ex-Bellatrix. Uh, it kind of started from his home. And, uh, you know, very, very good guy uh, regarding overall understanding. He just finished his master's in economics and space economics out of uh, Moscow University. Very tricky area. Uh, he spent a month in Taiwan now, another tricky area uh, for us. Uh, we were lucky enough to be chosen by their uh, industrial organization to interact with their space ecosystem. And we found a lot of synergies there. Right. So we are now talking to them uh, in some way to bring to fruition some of the deals that we are talking about. Um but barring that, that is that is kind of the size. And we plan to keep it at that level. We are looking for maybe it's a very, very good platform, because a couple of good embedded software engineers, and that's it. And that that should be it. We have plenty of we, we have plenty of interest from the ecosystem to join us. Um, but uh, we feel that you know at this level uh, we are kind of we are kind of done in terms of hiring manpower. We will grow again once we come to the seed stage and once we you know start making things at a bigger level. Okay. At this level, I feel the teams, the sub teams are very well equipped to execute what is their mandate. Um, in, in my view, they should be working extremely hard. Uh, they are already doing that. Um, till they are dying, I'm not taking new people. Right. In, in a, in a, not in a, in a bad way. I've been a very relaxed professor all my life. Right. But in, in, in some way, they should be working very, very hard. Right. And then only we should be taking new people. The entire ecosystem should be doing that. Okay. Uh, briefly, can you both talk about uh, the challenges uh, question? I mean, I know that uh, uh, people say in deep tech, it's difficult to convince investors, especially out of India. Uh, and on the other hand, now there is so much more awareness about space tech in India. And I think Chandrayaan really kind of caught the imagination of the whole nation. Um, so can you sort of specific to your company and your sector, uh, briefly talk about what might be uh, tough challenges going ahead? So, yeah, uh, just to give it off in very layman terms that uh, why space technology, especially space, deep tech in space, uh, why it is so difficult? So fundamentally, if you want to, you know, just I'm giving a small examples of here and there. So let's say you have a your mobile phone. So uh, you can take it anywhere in the world and it will work. But uh, will it work if you keep that into a cryogenic chamber? let's say around minus 40 degrees, minus 50 degrees, or you keep that, you know, oven about 150 degrees. So, and if you want to, let's say you are dropping that from height of, you know, five story, 10, 10 story building, will it be able to survive? Your technology inside is very good. Your processor power RAM, you have 8 GB, 12 GB RAM. It is very good. It is functionally very good. But will it survive all these conditions? Probably no. 
that's why space technology is you know uh, very uh, crucial it can fail in million ways and you need to predict all those million ways and you need to make sure that you have addressed each and every you know risk scenarios that's why this is very difficult and once it is up there you cannot touch it you cannot see it and you cannot even analyze it that what happened so in terms of analysis also you need to make provisions that whatever you know failure scenarios are has happened there you need to uh, you know able to identify for, for identify the problem from the ground and you should have, you should have no plan accordingly that okay my this this chip fails we should uh, be able to do this my this valve fails this should i, I should do so all those provisions you need to i know predict beforehand and implement uh, let's say way around it and uh, again let's say you have sent let's say two valves up there which will handle your propulsion system and if one of them fails your propulsion system is gone so you need to have let's say multiple valves but that will increase your cost or maybe it will increase the size of electronics so like that there are so many challenges but if you want to just demonstrate that technology on on ground you know i guess that is a very easy job because the hardware configuration that we use on the ground application that is that is far more advanced than what we are sending up space so the key is to uh, you know without going up there identify all of the failing scenarios and make provisions so that it doesn't fail so that's why you know uh, space is so difficult that's why so you know a few people will, uh, are able to demonstrate this technology that's why you know you must have seen that you know out of so many countries very few countries are able, able to demonstrate you know go to, a, to the you know the polar region in moon because you need to like you know uh, uh, this iso chairman uh, uh, so somnath sir uh, you must have listened to his you know, interview before uh, this uh, moon landing that if everything fails then also you know then also will be able to land that kind of redundancies and you know, fault detection everything you have to uh, you know imagine and that doesn't come with a you know let's say bookish knowledge or listening to some lectures you need to do testing testing and imagine all of the scenarios and then you know build accordingly so it's not about the let's say working principle of that uh, technology that you are going to use it it's about all of the environmental loads and all of the failing scenarios all of those things you need to you know uh, gather in your mind and then come up with a solution if you just you know, look at the product which is which you are going to send in space and which it's working in ground just by looking at it you will not feel any difference which is are it's a simple design but there is a lot of thought process that will go behind so that it doesn't fail not the launch condition not the space you know negative and positive temperatures not the vibrations anything should not you know hamper it at at an ecosystem level i think uh, it kind of stems from the challenges will stem from whatever tasif said um how much is the government able to you know subsidize the cost of these kind of tests how many such facilities to do these kind of fundamental tests thermo vacuum chambers emi emc vibration shock how many of this of these you know facilities kind of mushroom across the country right and non isro because uh isro has a lot of protocols to, to go inside and do these testing uh it is definitely required for them and is rec- definitely required in order for us to test there these protocols need to be followed but not that many protocols but good kind of technicians handling these kind of uh, facilities how many are there across the country will determine this kind of uh, success in my view funding is definitely an issue 
right uh, we this is a funding intensive industry so uh, government needs to come through not just from the defense side but on the commercial side also uh, there are countries that are now contemplating uh, you know or uh, esa is contemplating their own constellations in some way so can isro start thinking along those lines of uh, bigger constellations and to do more things uh, from space and start kind of seeding the industry with uh, their own designs or allowing them to do their own designs these would kind of determine the path that we will take as a country or as an ecosystem okay so funding will come in in definitely for good ideas there is always going to be funding okay uh, one standard kind of question before i uh, let you go um, over the next 6 12 months can you talk about your top priorities so immediate priority is to launch our cubesat propulsion system that is about 1u uh 1u is a unit of 4 inches by 4 inches by 4 inches okay it's like a small tiffin can all right so we want to launch this both uh in a in an isro based platform as well as a standalone satellite that is the first target uh the second set of targets that we are exploring very strongly is can we work with a partner so that one of the satellites that they are sending up now is now capable of being uh let's say come close to in the future okay are we able to approach it and do this rendezvous and proximity operations in the future right so within these 12 months uh we expect several satellites to go up with the markers that we have and the features that we have okay in order for us to come later with another satellite and just come close we are not going to do any kind of docking we are not going to do any kind of robotic applications we are just going to come close go around it observe and uh, measure the parameters that should be measured the distance the attitude the rate of change of attitude all of these we need to measure okay so these would be the two major targets by 12 months if you say i would be optimistic and say that we should be able to launch uh, a bigger mission also with a robotic arm but i am not going to go and commit to that i'm just going to say it depends upon what the team is able to do and what we are able to inspire them to do okay very nice really insightful commentary from both of you i'm fortunate to learn more about your work today thank you both for very generously making time for me definitely hope to keep the conversation going thank you so much definitely hari it was a huge pleasure that's it for this conversation i hope you found it interesting you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast app i'm hari arkli thank you for listening